The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Star Trek Prodigy episode, Asylum. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. I am the panel, I think. You are the panel. Uh, Father Corey, as I mentioned in our last episode, uh, is out sick. We're recording Aww. these episodes back to back. So he's uh, not that he's still sick. <laughs> he's just uh, at the time of recording. At the is. time of recording, he's been sick for the, the amount of time that this recording takes. Uh, however, that may come across to you. Uh, folks, so keep him in your prayers because prayer across time works. Yes, it does. Uh, folks, be sure to check out our merchandise. Uh, you can get your very own Secrets of Star Trek T-shirt or mug or phone case or sticker. Uh, the laptop stickers are particularly nice by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. And another show on the network you're sure to enjoy is called Raising the Bets. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B E. T-T-S. So it's like what you do in Las Vegas, but with an extra T. Yes. Or what I'm doing with my wife, which is raising our kids, the bets. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, so Jimmy, we are talking about this episode of Star Trek Prodigy. It is, oh, are we? Yes, we are. Which oh, okay. is the first episode of the second half of the first season, uh, because for some reason, Paramount Plus has split the season in half. And so we're getting the next 10 episodes in this run. And so could you give us a recap of what happens, which probably includes a recap of what happened at the end of last season? Yeah. Interestingly, they began this episode without a recap. I expected a previously on Star Trek Prodigy, but they didn't give us that. Mm. In any event, last time, the Protostar kids rescued all the slaves on the mining colony Tars Lamora, retook the Protostar and stranded the Diviner. In the process, the Diviner revealed to Gwyn that the Protostar is booby-trapped with a virus to cause the downfall of Starfleet as part of his plan to change history and save his homeworld of Solemn from the civil war that will happen when Starfleet makes first contact with it in the future. But in defeating the Diviner, Zero exposed his Medusan form and it wiped Gwyn's memories so she no longer remembers the booby-trap on the ship. This week, the gang saves a whale that's being hunted by merpeople, and we learn that they're racking up good deeds on their way back to Federation space to impress Starfleet. Soon, they arrive at a Federation communications relay that's manned by a Denobulan named Frex. But when Frex downloads the Protostar's logs, the virus comes with, and the station starts attacking itself, and parts of it get all explodey. Thinking the kids have betrayed him, Frex takes the only escape pod and leaves. This forces the kids to go EVA and make a jump in spacesuits to get back to the Protostar, whose transporter is conveniently offline. They get back, but in the process, Gwen's memories return and she remembers everything. Meanwhile, the real biological Admiral Janeway has taken another ship to Tars Lamora, where she and her crew discover the Diviner in stasis. The end. So 
it felt like a quick episode. Like yeah, it did. Well, they all do. I mean, they've got all they've got that enormous opening sequence right. on this show, and they've got their new Star Trek ship fly around thing at the beginning of every episode of any Star Trek. Yeah, and they've got a really big post like post credit sequence for the closing credits, I should say, and. Um, yeah, these are short. These, these uh, uh, prodigies feel short because they are. Yeah, even shorter than Lower Decks, which is you know yeah. unanimated. So it, it, they go quick, and it's there's a lot of running through quarters that happens yeah. in this one too. So there's not a lot to talk about. Yeah, they they don't cram it full of content the way. Yeah. I mean, it's for kids, so they it, the pace of the show. This is kind of ironic. The pace of the kids show is slower than the adult show. <laughs> um, but they they they're not like cramming in a joke every every, you know, 12 seconds. Right. The way they do on Lower Decks. Right. So as you mentioned, we left off with the diviner having found out that the diviner came from the future to uh, to stop Starfleet, basically, mm-hmm. I I like this idea. It is a not it's not original. Someone comes from the future to change the the past, but you know it's, it's original it's also, for Star Trek. It's also an explanation, a good explanation for why he's called the Diviner. He's from the future. He can divine it. He's seen it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and he was left um catatonic because having seen the Medusa, gets your, your brain scrambled. Uh, so so that was the end of that one. And so we have this sort of start in media res with them in the uh, underwater shuttle that they that they are our, our crew um, and, you know, the protostar crew and trying to rescue this whale, which is a long tradition for Starfleet, apparently, of rescuing whales from extinction. Uh, They're following in James Kirk's footsteps. Yes. And. Like you said, they're trying to rack up, you know, uh, good Brownie Samaritan points. points. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they know they're in a essentially a stolen starship, although they didn't steal it. I know this is this is this is unrealistic. And Hollow Janeway ought to correct them on this and say, look, Starfleet is not going to have a problem with you taking this ship. Yeah. The ship was taken by someone else and, uh, you know put in this mining facility and you guys were oppressed and used it to liberate yourself and bring it back to Starfleet, you're going to get a reward. (laughs) They're going to be grateful for you to bring the the ship back and, you know, probably help you. Now, I mean, it's understandable. The kids being kids, you know, would think, oh, we stole this. Therefore, they're going to be mad. But Janeway should set them right on that. Right, right. Hollow Janeway. Yeah, Uh, because we do have multiple Janeways in this episode. I'm going to refer since Hollow Janeway is the main character on the show. I'm going to refer to her as just Janeway. And I'll refer refer to the other as real biological Admiral Janeway or biological Janeway. Or even just Admiral Janeway, since the Hollow Janeway is not. Admiral, uh, it's her earlier version. Yeah, but it's more fun to say biological. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, so they're yeah, so they're trying to save the whale without violating the prime directive and that sort of thing. Um, Gwyn, meanwhile, is undergoing treatments by Zero to help her overcome the effects of the Medusan vision. You know, seeing the Medusan, um, and she keeps getting these flashes of her father saying, "It is a weapon." 
It is a weapon. I'm going to eat chicken now. <laughs> Sing me a song, Hobbit. Uh, and uh, so uh, it's the kid. It, well, John, John Noble. John Noble. John Noble. Mm-hmm. Uh, great actor. He's fantastic. So. Um, and of course, yes, I was referring to the terrifying chicken eating scene <laughs> in The Two Towers. Uh, all I could see is the him eating the cherry tomato that... <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so gross. Um, so, so her memory scrambled as we mentioned. Um, and so then they get to the, the Starfleet calm relay station where there's a single officer on board. This, mm-hmm. this Denobulan, the first Denobulan Starfleet officer. I mean, we've seen, uh, Dr. Phlox on board the Enterprise, but he was on loan from oh, Denobulus. That was so 2100. <laughs> so, yes. No, is just, you know, everywhere now. Um, and one of the fun things is they have to be scanned into the system. I, I love how when when he uh, when they show up, his first thought is like, am I going to be transferred to someplace worse? <laughs> Because he's basically the equivalent of like uh, a, an Air Force comm station, radar in, station in northern Iceland or something. Like north, yeah. Northern Alaska. Yeah. Something like that on the Barents Sea. So he's as far as you can get. The As he says, the final frontier. Um, so uh, why would you need a comm relay station out there if you're the furthest one well, out? They're talking to people, you know, in the Gamma Quadrant and the Delta Quadrant. And, I suppose. you know, things have embiggened in Starfleet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, uh, yeah, so he's far out there and he's alone and he needs to scan them to get their identities to log them into the system. And this is the chance for these kids who don't know, don't have any memory of their past to find out, you know, who they are, what they are. And mm-hmm. so Rock Talk finds out she's a brick R. And um, the Tellarite, Jenkin Pog, Jenkin Pog finds out he's a Tellarite, one of the founding members of the Federation. So that immediately goes to his head and he thinks that makes him special and he's got (laughs) political pull. He's royalty. Uh, And for the first time, we find out what species Murph is. He's a melanoid slime worm. Yeah, and he doesn't really get scanned. Um, Frex just recognizes him. Oh, a melanoid slime worm. Right, right. I think there's more to be determined about, about Murph, that he's more than just a melanoid mm-hmm. slime worm. Um, we heard of melanoid slime worms before in uh, Next Gen when uh, uh, in the Academy, Starfleet Academy, someone calls Wesley a melanoid slime worm. So, just, oh, yeah. Okay. That's the first. I suspect Murph is secretly sentient. Yes. And. Maybe a shapeshifter. That's my mm-hmm. feeling. Is it might be like a like one of Odo's race hmm. uh, founder. That would be interesting. Yeah, less cute. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he's a nice founder, like like uh, Odo was. So, um, and then we have um, uh, Dell, not Dell. Dell. Yeah, Dell. Well, sorry. Okay, they also scan Gwen, and as she predicts, she's not in their database because, right. of course, they haven't made Starfleet has not yet made first contact with Solemn, so they won't know her race. Right. But Dal, when he gets scanned, he yeah. turns out to be a report to Starfleet Command. <laughs> yes, that's his race. Report to Starfleet Command. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, of course, you know we'll future reveal of who he really is or what he is uh that should be important um so they they all get logged in and then zero takes gwyn to the sick bay on the com relay station because it's more advanced 
Mm-hmm. Then the protostars sick bay. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I was kind of dubious on that too. Yeah, I mean they're. I mean, I the protostar is a little prototype ship, so sure, it's it's sick bay may not be the best. Although you were sending it on a dangerous mission, <laughs> yes. Um, but and and uh, I could see a more like on a galaxy class ship the the sick bay would be better, but on the dinky one man. <laughs> You know, comm relay station, it's got a better sick pay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little dubious. But anyway, they, uh, Zero puts her in there. And that's when this, the, this comm relay officer, uh, Barnes Frex, downloads the Protostar's logs and that starts the virus to mm-hmm. self destroy itself. Now, and suddenly the scene, um, the scene in the sick bay becomes like the scene from Prometheus where you have the Ridley <laughs> character trapped in the, in the auto dock and it's trying to kill her. Oh, I haven't seen that one. So oh, I haven't yeah. seen Prometheus yet. Oh, yeah. well there's a scene where the Ridley equivalent Ripley equivalent is in an auto dock and it's trying to kill her. Uh, so um, the, the interesting, like this is a bad virus if you think about it, because mm-hmm. it should go into the computer and lay in wait until yeah. it infects other oh, Starfleet I computers. Bad in, in a different sense. Yes. It's, okay. It's it's bad at its job. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of like the E. coli as opposed to the flu. Yeah. Uh, it, Ebola. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, Ebola, not E. coli. Ebola, right, where it kills the host b- Real before quick. it can spread. spread. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, no, no, no. If you if, if you don't want to kill, if you're a virus, do not kill your host before you have a chance to spread. You want to spread as widely as possible. I mean, frankly, if you're a virus, you don't care about killing the host. Um, but you you certainly, I mean, what you're interested in is replication, self replication. Yeah, and you're going to limit your self replication if you kill the host before you have a chance to replicate and spread to other hosts. Right. So what you need to do is not. I mean, guys, just speaking to all the viruses in the audience, <laughs> become the common cold. Okay. Most successful virus in history. You know why? It doesn't kill the host. That's right. And as a result, it, it's not even that bad. It just it makes you feel bad and you get sniffly so you can expel the virions onto other people. But um, but it doesn't kill the host. And that's why it's so successful. In fact, a lot of times the people don't feel so bad, so they still go to work and yeah. infect their, their co-workers. <laughs> so, yes, that is a better I mean, virus. You you could be. We talked about this in the episode of Mysterious World on Mind Control Parasites, but you, you could even, you know, become the flu if you want. I mean, the flu mm-hmm. is a little more deadly, but it makes people, when they're pre-symptomatic, it makes them feel sociable. <laughs> so they want to go to parties and be around other people. And right. that also is helpful for spreading yourself around as a virus. But uh, worst thing you can do is be Ebola. Do not kill the host before you have a chance to spread to a lot of people because your in, your infestation will just burn out quickly, which is what always happens with, a vo- with Ebola. It right. keeps making the same mistakes. Right. And doesn't Thank evolve. God. Thank God. Thank God. Because Ebola is a terrible, terrible disease. Yeah, it's it's not, not funny at all. But yeah, it is a terrible disease. So and this virus acts more like Ebola where it infects the station and immediately starts destroying it, which it makes me wonder. How is this virus going to destroy Starfleet? You know, it, mm-hmm. it destroys a station, but, you know, it, it, if if this were to happen closer in and a 
galaxy class ship gets infected, they're going to say, let's stand back from the protostar because something's going on uh, Mm -hmm. with that ship. Let's, let's be careful with it. And then, so it, it, the diviner's plan seems ineffective to say the least, at least what we've seen of it so far, it seems very ineffective. That's true. That's true. There could be more to it than we're seeing. Actually, probably not because they're not going to take down Starfleet with this thing. They're going to quickly decide we can't go back. Right. That's true. That's true. Um, So, um, meanwhile, uh, we have uh, Janeway, biological Janeway, watching a hollow uh, recording of the christening of the protostar with Chakotay. Um, Although it was a strangely... Captain Chakotay. Captain Chakotay. Strangely um, lacking in admirals and other officials <laughs> at this event. Uh, but it was a bottle of Chateau Picard being, you know, thrown to crash against the side of the protostar to christen it. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of talking about him going off without her, but he's taking the Janeway hologram with him to, you know, to advise him and that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I like how he says it. she's because she's concerned about him. He says, well, if I get into trouble, you'll be the first person I call. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, interesting little casting is there's a one. Let's see. An Andorian officer on Janeway's staff mm-hmm. uh, called Commander Tysus, uh played mm-hmm. by David Diggs, which is a actor. Some may know from Hamilton and some other things. Uh, he's got a real great voice. So that's why I really mm-hmm. like him as a Andorian. Uh, also on Janeway's crew is a Tellarite played by Jason Alexander. That's right. And all, and Jamila Jamil, or however you say her name, is a Trill on Janeway's crew. Yes, Asensia, I think is her name. Um, yeah, and the 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 uh, Jason Alexander character, Doctor Noom, so is the doctor mm-hmm. on that staff. So uh, that should be very interesting. With the his trill big tusks. <laughs> yes, yes. Don't know uh, that I'd want a doctor that has tusks, but okay. And Jason Alexander, famously big Star Trek fan, who does a William Shatner imitation that is like perfect. It is right on. So uh, it's really great to have him there. And um, so they they the crew, the protostar have to get off of the destroying the station, destroying itself. The officer, Frex, abandons them Mm -hmm. like he he gets to the uh, escape pod. And just leaves them there. Although he's in an escape pod. Like, (laughs) where's he going? (laughs) Well, so I think that like escape pods frequently have um, like little impulse engines or something that let them, Uh you know, maybe get to another solar system. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, also, we that's a yeah. that's a this is we have the alien problem here from the movie Alien. It's like, OK, yeah. you've got a, you've got a lifeboat that won't carry all your people. Right. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's the only crew member assigned, but you you might. A, the station a, is big enough to have other people on it, and it does. Yes. Right. And it it having having a single life pod is not. I mean, come on. Even NASA has better redundancy than that. They build triple redundancy onto the onto space shuttles and things. You're 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 not going to have just one life pod. Well, what right. if something goes wrong with it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So they the 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 protostar crew they put on uh, spacesuits, climb out onto the exterior, and uh, Rock Talk has to calculate a trajectory on the fly 
for them to jump off and jump into the open shuttle bay of the protostar because so so this is part of why this episode feels so light is because they they're focusing on action yeah um i mean we had the 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 space whale hunting thing at the beginning that's that's just an action sequence to chew up time yeah now we have the the kids okay so <clears throat> Typical Starfleet technological failure to gen- generate drama. We have the transporter of the protostar conveniently offline. Yes. For no clear reason, because the virus doesn't inf- affect the protostar. And yet the transporter is down for some reason in an emergency. Right. And they can't use the, sh- the, the, the escape pod because there's only one of them and the other guy takes it. And so now they've got to do an EVA jump in spacesuits. And to juice the drama, it's like, it's all down to you, Rock Talk. You're the only one who knows mathematics. And so you've got to calculate a trajectory mentally for us to leap into the shuttle bay of the protostar as it's swinging by. And I'm going, the protostar, I mean, the protostar is maneuverable. Right. If you miss... She will just swing around again and pick you up. The important thing is get off the explodey station. Well, and why doesn't and, the protostar come closer? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could say it's a safety thing, but get yeah. off the explodey station and she can pick you up one at a time. You have spacesuits to survive. You're right. not going to spin off into the frozen void and run out of air and die before she picks you up. Right. And in fact, they do miss. And Janeway turns on a tractor beam and yanks them all in. Problem which, solved. Which she could have done from the first place. Just jump off. I will tractor beam you in. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the, the initial problem was they had come aboard on a um, force field, you know, tunnel, basically yeah. airlock tunnel that got destroyed. So that was the other thing that was preventing them getting back. So like like the ones we saw in Discovery. Right. First, Ex- first season of Discovery. That's right. That's right. So uh, the station destroys itself. They're back on the ship. They know, I think they know now that there's a virus that, or something that the ship well, did cause the station to self-destruct. Yeah. Well, as they're jumping back to the ship, I guess there's trauma or something in the jump. And, um, and Gwen rem- says she remembers everything. Right. She remembers everything. And then that's when we switch to Janeway and her crew have made their way out to Tars Lamora. With some kind of other super fast ship that Starfleet obviously has now. Yes. Well, at some point, they introduced something called slipstream drive, which is even faster than warp drive. Uh, they've. I know it's been in the novels. I don't know if it's ever been in on screen, but it might be well, that. The Borg has used it and so forth, but on, it, uh, the novels... They're not I really canon. I hate to yeah. say it, but they're not canon, yeah. Except for the Titan. The... Um, Riker's ship is, is a series of books on the Titan, which they incorporated into the. Although I think the Titan was mentioned on screen, it was in um, the movie. Yeah, yeah. So never mind. <laughs> so let's. Uh, and so that's she shows up there. That's where she's with her crew: Asensia, Tysus, and Doctor Noom, and they discover all the destruction. And the sole remaining person is the diviner now floating in the zero gravity. And they say he's in stasis, but hopefully he rem- he has answers. So they're going to wake him up and try to get answers out of him. But he saw Medusa in full force. Yeah. 
his brain is scrambled. So we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's there's gonna clearly there's gonna be something more from the diviner. Uh, yeah. The question is, is how they get there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. So, any other notes on this episode? No, it's a pretty light episode. I yeah. And despite the fact me pointing out its plot holes, you know, I mean, it's for kids, and it yeah. was fun, and it was fine. Just and, plot holy. Yeah, and I'm drawn in. I want to see where the story goes and what happens with it. So I'm I'm curious to see. I really like the fact that this is sort of almost a sequel to Voyager. We get to see Chicote mm-hmm. and we see Admiral Janeway, and so it's it's fun just to also get in that. And I'm glad they're back in Starfleet range anyway, that we're going to see some actual Starfleet folks, uh, which is, you know, what Star Trek is. So that's kind of fun. Cool. All right. Uh, So that should do it for this time. We want to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including. And let's thank them. Oh, let's do that. Let's thank Patrick C, Heidi M, Helen O, and Michael S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think of Prodigy and this episode called Asylum. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com, or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Prodigy called Let Sleeping Borg Lie. Do you wonder what that's about? Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, sometimes the hardest thing is to take a leap of faith. Because every kid's show has to have a lesson. Tell that to Soren Kierkegaard. <laughs>